Hi, and welcome to Foundation Forward, a podcast series about generosity brought to you by the Anglican Foundation of Canada. Foundation Forward invites Canadians to talk about generosity, why it's important and how they express it. I'm your host, Chris Dawes. In Foundation Forward, we've already spent the better part of a pandemic year looking into generosity, what it is, where we get it, when to celebrate, and when to wonder about it, why it has such amazing power for good in the world around us, and how it changes people like you and me. Thank you for joining us. Here behind the scenes on the Foundation Forward podcast, we're really excited about a number of great upcoming episodes, and I thought I'd share with you some plans. I mentioned last month that we're collecting the voices and ideas about generosity from children across Canada and beyond for our June International Children's Day episode. And in May, we'll be observing International Face Justice Day with Danielle Griffin, Executive Director of About Face which supports Canadians with facial differences and their families. And in April, we'll pay a visit to the Children's Hospice Canuck Place in Vancouver. Remember that you can find all our episodes anytime at anglicanfoundation.org podcast as simple videos on the Foundation Forward Facebook page and anywhere else you find podcasts. Amid some warmer spring-like weather this March 1st, The Church has recently begun observing Lent, and we're reaching right across the country to the Reverend Barry Foster, Executive Officer to the Anglican Diocese of British Columbia. If you're wondering just what the Executive Officer of a Diocese is, so was I. Speaking with him via Zoom from his office in Victoria, I learned that his bishop serves some 46 worshipping communities and their 13,000 Anglicans on Vancouver Island, the Gulf Islands of the Salish Sea, also known as the Strait of Georgia, Broughton Archipelago, and Kingcombe Inlet. And the executive officer, also an Anglican priest, works directly with that bishop. He began by telling me why the bishop needs this kind of a partner in ministry. Bishops need to have the opportunity to give serious thought and reflection to who are we, where are we going, uh, how are we living out the gospel, and they also have to um, live into that role in their regular contact with congregations. And that and that becomes problematic if they're also trying to deal with all of the institutional stuff. So that's kind of, you know, where an executive officer comes into the picture. They're able to do a lot of that stuff. And I still did lots of work with congregations, um, in a variety of ways, helping them with the, the search for new clergy, sometimes filling in with parishes where a priest was away on leave or something like that. So I tried to maintain that kind of connection, um, you know, with the, the sacramental life of the church, understanding that all that we do really flows out of that. And so while you may be wearing that hat that says, I'm a, an ecclesiastical bureaucrat doing administrative tasks, it nevertheless uh, uh, fits under that umbrella of our sacramental life. Right. 
Uh, so the roles that are played by the bishop and the EO are kind of complementary in a way. Well, at, at its best, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps the uh, would, would the image of heart and hands work? I I often think that the executive officer is the uh, you know the iron fist in the velvet glove, and uh, is is frequently called upon in that sort of way. As a matter of fact, I have a a figurine on my uh, bookshelf that was given to me by a colleague many years ago. It's a little Rottweiler dog, and uh, because. <laughs> They, they had come across a reference in a novel uh, about the English church that the, the archdeacon was known as the Bishop's Rottweiler. So we, we, I've never thought of myself that way at all, actually, but we had lots of laughs about it. There is an element of truth, though, that the, the bishop needs somebody who is able to deal with situations in a certain way that doesn't compromise people's understanding of their pastoral role. Right. Well, as you know, um, we're uh, together today talking about generosity. So tell us a little bit about how that played out in your work. Well, it's a, it's a, a feature, uh, an ongoing feature of, of the work, because as we know, um, I, I, I like this phrase that um, uh, Harold Percy used, that ministry costs money, good ministry costs even more. And uh, in order to do good ministry, we have to be able to find uh, the resources to make things happen. And very often at the, at the parish level, there, there isn't always the resources available that uh, would help something come to be. And I, and I believed it was important to encourage people's imagination uh, about how ministry would be delivered in their context and to find ways of supporting it. So that was a, an experience of, of generosity uh, and, and folk were often surprised because they didn't know they could ask. Mm -hmm. uh, and so sometimes as they would tell me about their predicament, I would say, well, I think we can help you out with that. And they would always be surprised. <laughs> Although at some point, presumably, you do have limited ability to help out. And uh, does that place you in an uncomfortable position while modeling the structure of support that the Synod office represents? Uh, I didn't encounter very often where you were in the position of saying no. Um, I, I, I think, you know, sometimes I'd say, well, that's not something that we might be able to assist with directly, but let's look at some other possibilities. Are, are there any other possibilities? Can we think of other ways of uh, generating the resources that you need, and some, and sometimes just encouraging people to be a, a little bit more imaginative uh, can make a difference. Uh, sometimes finding other partners in the community that are interested in supporting uh, the venture, whatever it is, um, you know that kind of thing. And so sometimes folk would say, "Well, you know what? Actually, um, we can do this in our local community, and we don't need what you have to offer." And you know that's. Mm. Every once in a while, we would have a parish who would say, we'd like to help one of our neighboring congregations who may be having a similar struggle or something like that. So that was always, uh, it, it didn't happen often, but it was uh, a delight when it did, because I, I think that that um, said something about the connectedness that we would like people to have. Um, I was struck when we were speaking uh, together a week ago that 
sometimes the most remarkable experience when you're discussing uh, something that someone else needs of you is when you come to realize that you need something from them. Well, I think it was somehow in that interchange, I frequently found myself receiving uh, in a way that I hadn't expected when I first went there. You know, you sort of turn up and say, well, I, I'm here to solve your problem. And here are the ways that we're going to do that. Um, began to shift towards, you know, help me understand who you are, what you're about. Um, and, and in that process, then I discovered <clears throat> I was uh, getting things back from people that um, I hadn't expected. So, and, and this was particularly true in, in rural communities. So as somebody who grew up in Calgary and was a hardcore urbanite, it was only when I became the executive officer that I had reason to go to rural communities in our diocese, which was a large geography. For instance, how that geography shaped people's understanding of who they were, shaped uh, their understanding of theology, the wideness of God's mercy as a for instance to put yourself in the position where you could uh, receive uh, from that, then I found that was enlarging my own, I don't know, sense of spaciousness about folk. It just, it comes out of that um, uh, coming to know those who you didn't previously know, and at the same time, learning to set aside some of your preconceptions in all of the uh, many ways that generosity can be experienced. Uh, it draws us into deeper relationship one with the other and really does be uh, really does help us to become aware of that spirit of life that results from our giving and and also our openness to receive so so let me say this just a, a little bit a little bit differently is that I, I've come to discover that generosity is an exchange at depth which opens us to the spirit of love. That was the Reverend Barry Foster, Executive Officer to the Anglican Diocese of British Columbia. And you've been listening to Foundation Forward, a podcast about generosity. Thanks to Barry for this unusual glimpse of his work in helping churches and their congregations bless their communities, and how he unexpectedly ended up being blessed himself. And thanks to you for listening and supporting the Anglican Foundation's vital work across the beautiful country we've been given. Our offices are closed, but you can visit us on the internet at anglicanfoundation.org, where you can get in touch, find out all about our work, and of course, make your donation. You can also email us at foundation at anglicanfoundation.org. Foundation Forward drops on the first Monday of every month, and you can download or listen to its episodes anytime on our website or subscribe through Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get yours. We'll be back next month. Until then, I'm Chris Dawes. Thanks for listening.